All right. Well, it's good for us to be together here in worship. Uh, if you are newer with us, my name is Brian, one of the pastors here, and just want to welcome you here uh, in the West Auditorium as well as in the East Auditorium, Lovington, and anyone streaming online. Uh, good to have you all here together. And I invite you, wherever you're at, to turn in your Bible to Psalm chapter 37, verse 23. Uh, or actually be in various scriptures here today, uh, but this, if you could say, is kind of our launch pad into, uh, into all of that, that if I had to bring it to one point, uh, this, would, this would be it. And so I don't know what uh, your internal clock does for you as far as when it comes to naturally awaking without some sort of digital uh, device as a phone or an alarm clock that gets you up, but for as long as I can think and remember back, I have always woken up naturally, even despite all my attempts to want to sleep in, uh, it would seem all the time before the sun wants to wake up. Uh, I've always been up early, and uh, in an effort in my house not to wake up the rest of my house as I wake up, I will, uh, our bedroom's on the second floor, and so I will come down the stairs in the dark. I won't flip on lights because I know, you know, it'll you know, wake people up or whatever under the doors or however. And so I know subconsciously after living in my house for 12 years now that I have, you know, seven steps, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, landing, turn, seven more steps, and then I'm on the ground floor. But for whatever reason, that early in the morning, my internal counter uh, tends to get off just a little bit. And so I will do usually one of these two things, um, more often than not, is I will get to what I think is the last step or the ground floor. But to my surprise, there's another eight inches to go. And so it's just eight inches, but it feels like a cliff, you know, when you just feel that free fall. And I tend to stumble and do some sort of like action hero roll, you know, nice and early in the morning. I don't need coffee anymore after that. Um, and then even the other weird one that's almost equally as funny is uh, maybe you've done this where you've actually gotten to the floor, but you think there's another step and you do that like, that like, double stomp and you try to like kick a hole in the floor because you think there's more to go, but there's really not. And so either of these two things uh, tend to happen to me with some regularity in the mornings. Uh, and the funny thing is, I, I don't, this might just be me, but uh, for whatever reason, even though there's like nobody around, I still feel a little embarrassed. I don't, what is that? You know, no one can see me do it. I don't know. I still feel a little embarrassed that I just tripped and fallen. So the uh, reality is when it comes to taking steps in our life, we all know it is much wiser to take our steps uh, where there is some illumination, where there's some light, whether, you know, that be our actual physical steps that we take in life or kind of metaphorically on a bigger scale that when it comes to, you know, the steps we take in life, we want, you know, kind of to borrow from our series title. We want to live in the light. We don't want to be taking those steps in life uh, in darkness. We want to live in the light of what, more specifically, God is wanting to light on our path. We want God's, uh, we might even say God's will for our lives specifically, that that's what we're after in life, that each step we take, we want to know that we are confidently taking the steps that God has laid out for us as we move forward in whatever uh, our life looks like. And even more than that, that as we take those steps, I think something else we're conscious of is we don't wanna miss a step, right? We don't wanna miss something God has for you or, or miss out something he has ordained for us to step into or maybe do a, you know, a double step and miss it somehow. We want God's light, God's will, to lead and direct and to light our path. And so God's word, it actually says it better than all of that does. It says it this way, and uh, if you found it there, Psalm chapter 37, verse 23. It says, the Lord makes firm 
The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. So that's the conditional statement. The Lord makes firm who? The steps of those who delight in him. Other translations say it this way, that the Lord uh, makes, uh, or, or not makes firm, but establishes the steps or directs the steps of those who delight in him. And so that's what we're after. We want to know God's will and ways, his direction that he has. We want him to establish clear uh, and confident steps for us for our life that we can be confident we are stepping forward in the will that he has, the path that he has as a light onto what he has for us. And so the way I want to look at this today is in kind of two kinds of lights. We see in God's word two lights that really illustrate the kind of direction and the steps he wants to make clear for us. The first kind of light that we see is what we could uh, generalize as we'll call it God's floodlight for us. That as followers of Jesus, that there is a will that God has that is true for every one of us, that regardless of our individual um, thoughts or plans or ideas, there is a will of God that is true for all followers of him. So that we could say is God's floodlight. It covers us all. But with that, and arguably the one we're probably, if we're honest, a little more interested to find out, is what we might say, what is God's, we'll say, laser light focus, specific will for my life? You know, what specific path or steps does God have for me uniquely as an individual that I'm supposed to live, that he's put me on the planet to to step into and to follow, okay? And so we're gonna look at both of these types of lights as we discover the light that God wants us to live in as we wrap up this series here today of living in the light. And so let's first, we're gonna start with God's floodlight, okay? This general will that God has that is true for us all if we want to follow him. And the first one uh, that we have, the first, you could say, floodlight will of God for every Christian is number one, he wants us to live following his will and ways according to his word, okay? That he wants every follower of him to obey his word. Psalm 119 says this this way. He says, your word, it is a lamp for my feet. It is a light for my path. And so God's word, it lays out God's will in ways that's for all Christians, not just for individuals, but for all of us. Uh, And so as we set foot on the trajectory of God's will in ways as laid out into his word, um, here's what some of his word has to say about what that looks like. Romans 12, two. It says, when it comes to this, well, don't conform, don't do this. Do not conform to the pattern or to the ways or the steps of this world, but instead be transformed. Be transformed by the word of God, by renewing your mind, and then, then you will be able to test and approve God's will is, what his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so when we start with the foundation of God's word, then we can start to build into, okay, a little more narrow focus of what God's specific will is for us, okay? God's will goes on to say for us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, that it is God's will, Okay, pretty pointed. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. 
Other translations say, be holy or live a pure life. In other words, that you should live the way this this word teaches us and directs us to live. And an avoidance of the world's way. Uh, That verse goes on, it says that we should avoid uh, sexual immorality and it goes into other areas of sin. And so we wanna avoid sin, we wanna uh, pursue right things that God's laid out for us. And when we do sin, when we do stumble, uh, we wanna confess that to God, we want to receive his forgiveness, maybe confess that to a close friend to get some help and some healing in all of that. And so all of that is part of the mix of following God's word, his will and ways in our life. And then from there, as we continue to dig into God's word uh, that it lays out for a path, we're gonna see that the most important things that come out of here are two commands that actually Jesus said. Uh, when someone asked him, you know, Jesus, what is the most important command? He gave an answer, he gave a response, and he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind that this is the first and greatest commandment. So the first commandment coming out of this is love God. And he goes on, the second is like it, love others. Love others as yourself. And so Jesus says, love God, love others. And then he goes on to say, all of the other commands, all of, basically all of God's will hang on these two commands. Okay, so we've got to follow his will and ways, which is to love God and to love others. And then as a result of that, we are to leverage that light, that floodlight, if you will, to help develop and make other followers of him, to make disciples. That that we are to use our floodlight to make other followers, to make disciples of Jesus. In fact, that goes with every call as a Christian. Jesus' first words to his very first followers when he called his first disciples to get out of the boat and follow him, what did he say? He said, you know, forget about fishing for fish. I will make you fishers of men. Uh, We will fish for people. And so with the call to follow Christ also comes the call to help develop other followers of him. And so those are his first words, but we also see in his last words to his disciples, right before he ascends into heaven and sends them off to start the church, he says it this way. Again, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, or really that means people groups, of all people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them everything that I have commanded you. And so this, these areas, these are uh, our foundation, if you will, to follow his will and ways as laid out in his word as we love God, love others, to make other followers of him. This is true of every single one of us. This is God's floodlight will for you and for me uh, as those who want to follow him in our lives. And it's really important to start there because as exciting as, I mean, this is frankly, playing with this is way more fun than that. Um, we, we all wanna know this, right? We all wanna get to, okay, that's great and all, but what is God's specific will for me? Like, what does God want to do in my life? How do I figure that out? And the reason we start with the floodlight is because all too often, I've, I have discovered that people, that we make the mistake of actually neglecting God's floodlight will, the the stuff that's clear and obvious, and somehow expect on no firm foundation, just kind of to expect, okay, but you know what I'm really interested is this. And friends, to neglect the obvious, clear word of God, and at the same time expect somehow uh, to find the elusive specific word of God without taking what I would say or what God's word said is the first step, well then is to really to get off path from the very get-go and to miss the first step 
of any other steps in specificity, sorry, I got too many lights going on here, that God's gonna want for your life. Does that make sense? Okay, so we start with God's will in ways that we know is true, and then built on that foundation, you could say that's base camp, right here, this is base camp, and then we kind of work our way up the mountain to discover God's specific will for our life, okay? All right, I'll stop playing with this, I know it's a toy and it's getting me in trouble. All right, so as we look to God's laser light focused will for our lives, um, a way uh, that I want us to be aware of, but yet at the same time maybe a cautious of, is trying to discover this by what I'll call, uh, I call it the Cheerios method. Uh, and the Cheerios method is this idea that, you know, if in the morning as you look at your bowl of breakfast Cheerios, that you are just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting somehow for some, uh, you know, your Cheerios to like magically spell out like, become a missionary to Afghanistan. Now, I don't know about you, um, but I've been looking at my Cheerios for a long time and they just keep spelling the same thing. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> and now if your Cheerios, they start you know, putting sentences and paragraphs together, you might want to pay attention. Uh, but by and large, and, and I don't want to, in, in all fairness, I don't want to take away from God working in a way that uh, is, is profound or unique or specific through some sort of sign or dream. Uh, I know people who've had those affirming moments that almost in an audible sense, God has made clear what is next for them. Uh, there's certainly biblical precedent for those kinds of things. I just don't want us to get caught into thinking that's the only way that God works or moves in our lives to give his will and ways and direction to the specific what uh, he has for you. Um, in fact, some language I found helpful to this end, um, we did a, a fall equip class in uh, Lovington, First Christian Church Lovington, on the book of Nehemiah. And Nehemiah uh, was called by God to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem after the ex exile from Babylon. And the way he puts it, he says, uh, he refers to it as what, quote, God put into my heart. And so that's what we're after. How do we discern what God has put into our heart? And, you know, specifically what Jerusalem has he called us to? You know, what does he want to build up in us and through us? And so what I want to give you is, uh, what I'll say is a way, an approach. It's not the only approach, but it is a way uh, that is um, in alignment with God's word as well as in alignment with those who have gone before us in the journey of discovering God's will uh, to, to help us maybe begin to bring into focus, if you will, what God's specific will is for each of our lives. And so the way I want to help us do that is through what um, uh, you might call a Venn diagram. You familiar with, with these? Uh, it's where you have... Um, like these circles that overlap that uh, each represent, each circle represents like a different subject. And uh, as those subjects come together uh, in the middle is where you discover uh, kind of their meaning, the, the, that that shared intersection is kind of what you're after. And so we'll say at the center of that Venn diagram is, you know, God's specific will for our lives that we want to find, okay? And so the four areas that we want to pull together, uh, we're going to look at affinity, ability, affirmation, and area of opportunity. 
How does affinity, ability, affirmation, and area of opportunity come together to bring into focus God's specific will for our lives? Uh, Both in 2019, hopefully many years to come, that we discover how God wants to uniquely work through you to further his kingdom, of course, by his power, and always for his glory, okay? And so let's dig into these four. Uh, The first one, affinity. Another word, a synonym for that is you could just say interests, uh, but interest didn't start with the letter A, and so it kind of like messed up my cute little alliteration thing. So affinity or interests, um, you know, you might just say, you know, what kinds of areas or things are you just naturally drawn to? Uh, what do you like to do? And you might even go as far as to say, what are you passionate about? And so for some examples, these could be as general as, you know, uh, sports, music, cooking, fitness, art. Uh, it could be as specific as you are you know, passionate about you know, helping the next generation grow to follow Jesus Christ all the days of their life. You could be passionate about helping other people engage in worship. It might be your passion uh, to see evangelism and missions take place of, of seeing people come to know Jesus who don't yet know him. Uh, you could be passionate about maybe teaching or leading uh, or discipling, you know, maybe in the sense of a small group or a mentoring situation, uh, helping other people develop a deeper faith in their following of Jesus. And so those are some, maybe some ideas that might uh, catch your attention. Uh, if you're still kind of trying to figure out, okay, what are my affinities, what are my interests, uh, one tell that I have found helpful uh, for some is just to simply ask the question, when you are free to think, when you're free to dream or you're maybe just free to have some time to spend on something that you're not required to do, what is it that most naturally draws your attention? What most naturally grabs you? If you can start to figure that out, you might be in the space of what your affinity and your interests could be that God could use you in that space, again, for his glory, furthering his kingdom, all right? And so as you discover your affinities, uh, what you'll probably discover is that there's some natural overlap, that that circle starts to naturally overlap with uh, what we could call your abilities. Uh, Your abilities could be talents or skills or maybe uh, very specifically spiritual gifts uh, that God has given you. It says every believer is given a spiritual gift or maybe multiple ones. Uh, And there's actually several areas in scripture where you can find uh, lists of these gifts. I'm gonna give you a few here to reference on your own time if you wanna take a picture with your phone or uh, write them down. Uh, Some lists of spiritual gifts you'll find in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. Uh, These are the the three biggies, if you will. And so some of the lists, or excuse me, some of the gifts you'll find on that list, you'll find uh, the gift of administration, the gift of mercy, gift of faith, gift of evangelism, uh, gift of teaching, gift of service, gift of giving, the gift of leadership, the gift of encouragement, uh, the gift of hospitality, and, uh, and, and things like that. And what you'll discover within each of those lists in scripture is that None of them actually are exhaustive, like you don't have all the gifts in any one list, which also could allow us to conclude that there is no exhaustive list. Meaning, um, and I'll steer from the the words of uh, Pastor J.D. Greer, who puts it this way, he says, a spiritual gift is whatever God wants to do for and through the church for the sake of Jesus' mission. And so a spiritual gift can be whatever God wants to do for and through the church for the sake of Jesus' mission. 
And so this could be anything. This could be uh, an ability that you, you know, maybe already have. Maybe it's an ability that's maybe primed to be developed further. Uh, it could be just something if you're just, you know, not in a prideful way, but if you're honest with yourself, you're just kind of playing good at it and it just goes well for you. Um, I wouldn't go as far as to say maybe it's effortless. I don't think that's necessarily fair, but um, you could say that whatever it is that you do this thing or exercise this ability, you find that you could say it seems to go well for you. Okay, that might be a hint that you're getting into uh, some abilities and some gifts that God has given you. For example, uh, say uh, you think you might have maybe the gift of hospitality, uh, or, or maybe even with that gift, you have a passion for uh, this idea that, you know, anytime anyone is within your sphere of influence, you know, whether in a room or maybe just kind of in your relational stratosphere, that you have maybe almost this burden, like this 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 need to make sure that, you know, they feel at ease, that they feel comfortable, you know, like hospitalityized. you know, that's your, that's your gift, you know, not hospitalized, that would be bad. Um, actually, hospitalityized is a terrible word too, yeah. Uh, welcomed, you know, included, like this, this is something that is a burden for you, that's something that you're passionate about, and something that you know, it begins to reveal, you could say that third circle, that when you do this, you receive uh, affirmation. You receive affirmation in this gift and in this space and in this passion, uh, either by those who witness you use that gift, saying, hey, you know, that's really awesome when you do that. I think it goes really well. Or maybe just even in thankfulness of the people who you're being hospitable towards. Okay, and so as you start to align those things, as you start to align your affinity, your ability, and there's some affirmation that like seems to go well, it's a good sign that you're starting to bring into focus God's laser light will and direction for your life, okay? Now, on the flip side of that, say you start looking at these areas and you start to see that they're not all there. Uh, for example, maybe you have uh, a real affinity, a real interest in music. Maybe you're even passionate about singing, but as you know, or maybe you don't know, you don't have the ability to sing. Uh, and you don't know that if you end up singing in any other space other than maybe the privacy of your car, there's a chance someone will have a smartphone and you could be one of those like American Idol viral videos that are not good. Um, that could be you. Um, for me, I recall a time, uh, some time ago is uh, when I first came on staff here at the church uh, in June of 2004. I was three weeks on staff and we were on a youth mission trip. And so I'm new, you know, trying to find my way with the, the youth leaders and the kids. And we're, we have some, we were down on a mission trip in North Carolina and it was like youth group time. And so we're, you know, kind of sitting in a circle. The vibe is good. And I'm thinking, hey, some worship would be good right now. You know, I could, I can play a little guitar, you know, and uh, yeah, well, you know, why not just, I'm not gonna try to ruin your guitar here, Thomas. Um, you know, why not, why not, I, I could lead the kids in a little bit of worship, yes? These guys are looking at me like, no, okay. Well, so for those of you who are around in the, uh, you know, maybe some worship settings in the late 90s, early uh, 2000s, you might remember a little Open the Eyes of My Heart. Yes, okay, again, some nods. So uh, sitting there uh, with uh, my youth group for the first time, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open, it's, it's country. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. And the looks I got around the circle 
we're not all that different than the looks I'm looking <laughs> at in this room. And so it was, it was, uh, they were, the kids' eyes were like golf balls, like, uh, yeah, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, but uh, if you could just close the mouth of my youth pastor, <laughs> that would be swell. And so, needless to say, as interested as I was in all of that, it was not a very affirming experience. And uh, so that was my first and last time doing that, uh, until now, of course. And, uh, and so that's it. So we're looking for these things to come together, the affinity, the ability, and some affirmation. But even as I say that and recognize that that all makes sense, uh, we've kind of got to put a big disclaimer on this because it doesn't always play out that way. You know, uh, there are times where, you know, things won't go well for you right out of the gate, that it might take some time or there'll be some failures. Just because it's not going well, be careful, it doesn't necessarily mean God's not calling you to that. You know, just because, you know, you know, we all want God's open doors, right? I'm looking for open doors, him to open doors and not close doors. And it's like, you know, just because the doors don't come sliding effortlessly open like the electronic doors at Walmart that you just walk through for God's will, doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't God's plan for your life. God, in fact, tends to also kind of, kind of as a, a disclaimer to all of this, will at times for his glory, even above your inabilities, will use you in a specific time in a specific way um, to point to his power rather than your own. So you can kind of trump some of these things. I think about, you know, the Moses moment. You've got Moses who's like, uh, excuse me, he's supposed to lead his people out of slavery after 400 years. He's, he's like, I'm 80. I, I can't talk right. And God's like, I'm going to use you anyway. And so God is, has the ability even to supersede your inabilities to, again, for furthering his kingdom and to, in extra special ways, display his glory. And so it's helpful when you're discerning these things to have some trusted followers of Jesus around you, to dialogue with this, to kind of see, okay, am I in the right space? Could God be doing something even within my abilities or beyond my abilities to do something? And so there's, there's definitely some spirit-led discernment in all of this, Okay. So bringing it all together, when generally speaking, we do see some affirmation in the abilities, even if there's some doors we've got to kick down in the process or God's got to kick down, as we see some affirmation in our abilities and our affinities, the fourth thing we need to do is to round all those up and we've got to find an area of opportunity to use those to further God's kingdom to the glory of God. We've got to find an area of opportunity. And so uh, a couple of areas of opportunity that I know uh, this church is committed to that you can step into, um, one that's huge for us always is that commitment to see the next generation uh, know and follow Jesus Christ. That when it comes to our family, children's, student, and next generation ministries, we have a commitment not just to help kids follow Jesus from birth to 18 or maybe 20 or 21, but all the days of their life. And so if, uh, you know, maybe you have a passion to see the next generation know Jesus and you want to love God and maybe you have a, a gift to maybe relate and like some, like on, love on some kids, um, there's always going to be that area of opportunity, whether the very first words that babies are hearing in the nursery to affirm this place is connected to Jesus, the building blocks of the elementary age uh, to build that faith, to start seeing that path that God has laid out for kids, and then to really come alongside kids in those difficult and challenging, tumultuous, you know, preteen, junior high, high school, and even the, the unique challenges of, of college, of just seeing what God wants to do to come alongside uh, adults, loving on some kids to know that plan for their life. There will always be that area of opportunity in this church. Um, another area of opportunity uh, for you might be, uh, if you'd say, you know, I'm more of a behind the scenes person. Maybe you're maybe kind of like a, a techie in your abilities. Well, we have an extensive technical arts, uh, audio visual ministry that makes all of this possible. That might be a, a good fit 
for you. And so those are just a couple of opportunities within the church that you can use your gifts for furthering his kingdom to the glory of God. But even as I say that, I would be amiss to not recognize the other side of that coin. That yes, we're to use our spiritual gifts within the church, but also we are called to use those gifts and abilities and opportunities outside of the church as a light to the world. In fact, that's how Jesus said it in Matthew chapter five. He said, you are, you are the light of the world. And to illustrate it this way, he says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. In other words, we can't just keep our light within the bowl of these four walls. Instead, Jesus says, put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house, gives light to everyone within your sphere of opportunity that God has called you to outside of the space as well as inside of it. In fact, again, that's what Jesus said. Remember his first and his final words to his disciples were all wrapped up. Hey, let's get out of this place. Let's get out of the bowl and let's go make some disciples. Let's go fish for some followers of me, okay? So how does God wanna use you? How does he want to use your light uh, in your neighborhood, in our community, in our city, in our world? You know, I think about the number of families who have stepped into what scripture repeatedly calls the church to do in taking care of uh, widows and orphans. Uh, the number of families who have stepped into foster care and adoption and you know, basically loving others, namely kids, with the love of God to the glory of God. I think of uh, some people in our congregation, three men and one woman that I, that I know of, and maybe there's more, who devote their time outside of this space to leading Bible studies in assisted living and nursing home settings, where, as you should know or probably know, that the majority of the clientele in those settings are widows and widowers. You know, maybe for you, you're in a stage of life where it's like, man, that's awesome, but I, I'm just not in a place where I feel like I could add something like that uh, to my already full plate. Well, I would encourage you to maybe see what it is that you already have going on, not adding something, but look at what it is you already have and maybe see that in a new light. You catch the pun there? New light, see it in a new light, light, light. Y'all can use that with your friends. You don't have to give me credit. It's just, that pun is yours. Okay, yeah, so maybe God wants you to see what you already do, what you already have going on in your life in a new light. Colossians chapter three says it this way. It says it, says it perfectly. It says, whatever you do, okay, whatever it is you got going on this afternoon, whatever it is you gotta do tomorrow morning, whether you like it, love it, or hate it, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. This is key. It is the Lord Christ you are serving, ultimately, not people. Uh, even the serving of people were serving the Lord. And so this is powerful. This is powerful. Again, whatever you have going on on your Monday morning, love it, like it, hate it, know that whatever you do, wherever you are, God has you there, not just for a reason, not like the cliche, oh, everything happens for a reason. No, it is. God has you there for his reasons, his purposes, his kingdom, for his glory, that he wants to leverage your floodlight example that we're all called to, as well as uh, your specific laser light abilities in whatever area of opportunity that you find yourself uh, in the other 167 hours outside of the hour that we gather here on a Sunday morning. Um, I appreciate the way that, uh, I heard it said this way and I think it really sums it up very well. It says, when it comes to what we do, do it all 
to the glory of God. And then do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. I think that brings the floodlight and the laser light inside and outside the church together very well. That whatever you do, wherever you find yourself, do it all to the glory of God, Colossians 3.23, but then be intentional. Do it somewhere strategic for the mission of God. And so a final word on all of this as we kind of bring it all together, uh, and I'm gonna steal a little bit from uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, if you're a fan or um, at least know a little bit about that. Um, there's a scene in the, uh, the movie and the books, the movies, that Father Christmas, uh, he shows up to give gifts to the kids, the characters in the story. And so Father Christmas, he shows up with these gifts, and for Peter, uh, he gives a sword, and for uh, Lucy, he gives like this healing ointment, and uh, he's giving these gifts on behalf of Aslan, the, the lion, the king, which was representative of God giving these gifts. And the kids get these gifts, and, and they're, frankly, they're just totally confused. They're like, well, uh, they, they don't know what they're for. And Father Christmas responds to them this way. He says, you'll know when the time comes, what they are for. You'll know when the time comes, what they are for. And sure enough, later on, there's a battle that takes place of good versus evil, light versus darkness, if you will. And Peter realizes that the sword is for him to you know, lead into battle. And Lucy realizes that that ointment is uh, like a, you know, to bind up wounds in the midst of the battle. And so, what C.S. Lewis is trying to communicate in his unique way, what he's revealing to us is that we make sense of our gifts and abilities when we step into battle. We make sense of our gifts and abilities upon or after we step into battle. That when we step into those areas of opportunity, both inside and outside the church, that, you know, it, it, what it's trying to say is we gotta be careful that this is me, right? Like I would get my, you know, my sheets of paper, sit in a corner and I would just work with my circles and trying to put my diagram together. And what it's warning against is the kind of that analysis paralysis. So we can just sit in the corner, overthink it. And what C.S. Lewis is getting at is, and, and what God's word is getting at is well, we've gotta step in. We've gotta step into the battle. And what you'll discover as you step into that fourth circle, you'll start to discover, okay, I have these abilities and these interests and the affirmation of others and God in the middle of it. And to prevent us from just sitting on our hands and not doing anything. We need to step into battle and we need to just get after it and leverage our affinities, our abilities, in whatever areas of opportunity God places in front of us, both inside and outside of the church as a light to the word, world and experience the affirmation, the only affirmation that matters, and that is that we are doing what God's will is, both in his floodlight will, in all things that we have, but also then leveraging specifically his laser light focused will for our lives, for his kingdom, for his glory. And so to that end, uh, let me pray for us in that. <sighs> Heavenly Father, first and foremost, we thank you that ultimately our affirmation, our assurance has absolutely nothing to do with anything we do. We praise you and give you thanks for your mercy and grace and forgiveness that makes us right with you, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we start there that you are the forgiver and savior of all the missteps that we have in our life. And based on that, 
based on your goodness, we then trust you as the Lord and the leader to step into confidently and gladly the clear steps that you have laid out for us both in your floodlight will and your specific will. And so God, for each of us, I pray that you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit to step into battle, to step into whatever it is that you have for us, to not sit around and get stuck in analysis paralysis and discover by acting what it is that you want us to be and to do and to build for your kingdom by your power and for your glory. It's in the name of Jesus we pray for it. Amen.